Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Zach. And we are Fiery Friends. And this is episode number 49, coming at you live from Illinois. Dan, why are we in Illinois? Why would we not be in Illinois? I don't know. Why wouldn't we be in Illinois? We're here for our friend Mike. We're here for our friend Mike. What's going on? How's it going, Mike? Doing great. How are you guys? I mean, pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah, we had a great drive down here. We stopped at Raisin Cane's in Iowa. Went a little bit out of the way, I heard. And <laughs> oh, just, yeah. Just the, a little bit. The thorough deliciousness. <laughs> it's worth it for that Raisin Cane's, you know? It. Have you been to Raisin Cane's? I have not. I've you gotta go. go. It's amazing. You, you gotta, gotta go for sure. You should take your girlfriend. I'm sure she will love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, Mike, uh, so we're talking about a book of the Bible today, and it's one that you suggested. Why did you suggest this book? Well, uh, I have a cat, and uh, his name is actually Ezra. Yeah. And uh, at yes. the time when, you know, because it was my, ex, my ex-girlfriend's mom named my cat, and I didn't realize that Ezra was a book of the Bible until I looked in the Old Testament. I'm like, oh, Ezra, that's, maybe that's why. So I was, like, <laughs> I was like, maybe that's why she named him Ezra. So then I was like, oh, maybe uh, we should uh, suggest that for the podcast. So here we go. There you go. Came from the so your, your ex's mom has it. We're going to do Ezra. Yeah, so because of this cat, we have been inspired to he talk. He also may or may not be very loud in the back. Yeah, oh, he's fun. He's just whacking a couple balls in the, in the <laughs> distance, you know. You know how it goes. Sometimes you just have yeah. to whack some balls. But, okay. <laughs> anyways. Um, so, yeah, Ezra, Ezra's an interesting book. So, for all you people out there, this is our fourth episode of our Scripture Summary Series where we are going to do a podcast on all 66 books of the Bible. And Ezra is one that I don't actually have that much history with Dan. I don't know. Dan, how many times have you read Ezra in your life? Um, maybe twice. Maybe? I've read the whole Bible through in a year, so I read it then. Okay, that time? And you just read it to me in the car over here. <laughs> so that's twice. <laughs> yeah. Nice, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, I don't know if I ever actually read all of Ezra before, so, like, I read it last night, and then I read it to you in the car, so I guess I've read it twice now, too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, it's definitely one of those books that kind of fades into obscurity. Like, not a lot of people know about it. Like you said, like you didn't even know it was a book of the Bible at first. And like, yeah. But it's funny because like when I was a kid, I thought I used to think Ezra was a girl because it's like by, by Esther in the Bible. I was like Esther, Ezra. They're probably all girls. They all start with E. Yeah. <laughs> but Ezra's a guy. Yeah. Who knew? I didn't even know. It's pretty wild. Um, yeah. So we'll just dive right in. So we kind of just start off by covering the book's like historical context, and then we'll just kind of go chapter by chapter. Talk about our takeaways, and you guys at home can play along just in your own Bibles. So, um, so for Ezra, the author of Ezra was Ezra. What? I know. What are the odds? I think we've, like, every single week, it's usually the person who the book is named after that wrote it. Almost every time so far. It's nice yeah. and simple that way. It's, it's really easy. And then the time it was written was 430 BC, which was... Um, so that was actually written after Zechariah and Daniel, which are like two of the books we already did. So it's like kind of like super in line with what we've already been doing, which is super cool. Because like we kind of just like plan to do these books in a completely random order. And somehow the order is like working out where it's like they all fit together, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the historical context of the book. Uh, did you guys have anything else to add about just like what you know about the book at all? anything historically speaking um so there's this um on the U version app there's a little bit of an intro and it's connect i guess it's connected with first and second chronicles 
Yes. Which is the first generation of the like the Judeans returning from exile. Mm-hmm. And then Ezra is basically a few generations after first and second chronicles was written. Um which I thought was very interesting. So those three books and then Nehemiah I think it's Nehemiah. Yeah, Nehemiah. Those ones are all kind of connected with uh, returning from exile. Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. Actually, like, one thing that was interesting, too, is, like, I watched the Bible Project video on this. Because we love the Bible Project here. Amen. Have you seen the Bible Project? I have not, no. Oh, bro. Oh, it's so good. It breaks it down and it, like, makes it simple and gives you visuals. Yeah, they have a breakdown of every book of the Bible on their YouTube. But for Ezra, they didn't make a breakdown for him. They, like, they made, like, a a combined breakdown of Ezra and Nehemiah together. Because apparently, like, in the old days, like before the Bible was, like, officialized, like, Ezra and Nehemiah were just one book, and they were like, no, you should cut it in half. So, like, <laughs> are they written by the same guy, or...? Some people think so. Some people think that Nehemiah wrote the Nehemiah one, because normally the person who's named after writes it, but nobody knows. <laughs> so, I mean... I wonder if they were, like, pals. Maybe they were, like, buddies. Ezra and Nehemiah hanging out, they're like, yo, dude, we're Dude, maybe they're, like, me and you, fire friends. Yeah, just fire friends, right? Another the pass. 430 right? BCs. <laughs> yeah, that's the good stuff. Yeah. So, so then this is one of the last books that was written before the New Testament then, right? Um, because I thought yeah, there was about a 400-year gap between... Right, yeah, these were these know, were right near the end, yeah. Because, like, it's everybody coming back into Israel, and, and there's, like, that 400 years of silence, yeah. So these are, like, some of the last historical books for sure. And you know what's crazy is they don't put that in that, in that order in the Old Testament. This is actually listed after Kings, I believe. Second Kings or or Chronicles, After Chronicles is, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it goes Kings first and Second Chronicles, then Ezra. Yeah. So it's not in the order of like the years, which I find also find kind of interesting. Yeah, it's not in chronological order. I still wonder why they chose to put the Bible in the order they did, but I trust the Lord and trust the people who have yeah. translated. And put yeah. Well, what I always heard like back in like my old Lutheran Sunday school is like the <laughs> the Bi- the Bible the order is mainly just like categorized by like sections and like what the different things are about so like the first five books yeah are like the Torah the books of Moses then like yeah. from Joshua to Esther is just like historical books then Job to Song of Songs is the like poetry and wisdom books yeah. and then you have like the prophets after that so they kind of categorize them by like what the content is more than mm-hmm. like when it was written and so, I will say then yeah. also Ezra I guess was to my understanding he was categorized as a minor prophet if I'm, um, I remember seeing something about that, but yeah. So Ezra is more often characterized uh, yeah. as like a historical writer because, yeah. like, it even says in here like that he was a scribe and he like wrote yeah. things. Like he was really like it says in chapter seven that he's like super into the law of Moses and he's like, like yeah. he's like a big time fan of Moses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he loves just kind of like enforcing the laws of Moses mm-hmm. and things like that more than like he doesn't actually have like a lot of prophecies in his book as much as he yeah. is just kind of teaching the laws. So he's a, he's a teacher kind of guy. Just like Dan. Except he wasn't a substitute. He was a full-time, <laughs> full-time yeah, teacher. Like <laughs> yeah, it was good. So um, are you guys ready? Let's dive into this thing. Okay. So, so the Bible Project kind of broke it down as that chapters 1 to 6 are kind of about Zerubbabel and like the whole era of like rebuilding the temple. And then chapters 7 to 10... Are about Ezra and like this other era, like in, that comes kind of after that. So there's kind of like two different eras, and there's also like this parallel structure in the book where 
like in both of these stories, there's like some Persian king who gets moved by God to send Jerusalem. What did they wrote letters, right? Uh, a letter, yeah, that's yeah. what it says. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I can't read my own handwriting sometimes <laughs> in my notes. But yeah, so they, so they send a letter. Then the leader faces like some opposition from like haters, and then after that, there's usually an anticlimax where things just end and it's unsatisfying. And that's like the whole pattern of the book. So mm, yeah, it's that very, feels right. It's very interesting. It's a, it's a very interesting book because yeah, there are like a lot of unsatisfying conclusions, but. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Um, I feel like the three themes that I got like right off the bat is that this book just feels like a book of returning and rebuilding and restoring because, you know, the book starts in the very first chapter where it talks about how, like, Israel has been, like, exiled for 70 years and, like, the prophecies mm-hmm. said this was going to happen. Like, they were going to be, you know, kicked out and in Babylon for all this time. And it says, like, now, according to, like, the prophecies in Jeremiah 25 and Jer- Jeremiah 29 that, like now um now the people are going to return and so this book is really just all about like what does it look like to come back after like being in this place of isolation and exile to like have like this redemption and it's like kind of cool to just like come right into this like we're here to like restore things and have hope again so it's kind of cool but um yeah do you guys have any cool takeaways from chapter one i have a few things that stood out um it was so it was so one and two where they were just kind of listening listing all of the like this basically the Israelites and the different tribes they're in and like the numbers mm-hmm. um, I find that found that a little bit hard to read so I may have I, I researched it a little bit and I well it mentions here the whole company numbered 42,360 so I'm, I'm not sure if that includes because I know it besides there it talks about their you know, servants and and all that. So does that include servants? The for, the forty two thousand three sixty number of the Israelites or Yeah, I think that it says in chapter This is two two sixty four it says Yeah, sixty four. Yeah, a total yeah. of forty two thousand three hundred sixty people returned to Judah in addition to seven thousand three hundred thirty seven servants and two hundred singers. So like so there's like additional like So basically there's about fifty thousand people. Yeah, basically like if you add everything together, like fifty thousand people coming back to this land that was like you know completely like all of the Israelites and stuff were kicked out and then they're all coming back and it's like this triumphant return mm-hmm. yeah. so the desolate land. land is refilled with this population yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah it's always interesting because when the Bible talks about things in numbers it usually just mentions uh, like the men or like the the, the household owners they never mm-hmm. include the women and children until they include the and also women and children numbering and blah 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 Right. I'm pretty yeah. sure well, it just says like the descendants of you know whoever. I don't know if that includes women. Um, well, it says right here in verse twenty-one, chapter two, the men of Bethlehem, and then it goes on and talks about all these other. So, like you were saying, I think it is probably including the men. Oh, or, that's interesting. That, Wait, what translation do you have? This is the NIV. Okay, that's interesting. You're in ESV. No, I'm in NLT, but it changes all the men to people because, like, <laughs> you know how the new generation is. They yep, like to gender neutralize everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny. This one, but this one in verse 21, it says the men of Bethlehem huh. of Natopha of An Anathoth. I'm probably saying these wrong, and then it just says like all these tribes basically. And um, okay, so yeah, this one I thought was like what Dan was saying. It mentions men, so maybe maybe it's more than fifty thousand people. If you're, if this is all men. Yeah, it was a lot of people. 
Like, yeah. how many people live in Waukesha, Dan? 72,000? Yeah, so basically, like, almost all of Waukesha just, like, strolled on in there. Like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. That is a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy to even think about that many people just, like, traveling. And this was, like, before, like, cars and stuff, so they're, like, just, like, yeah, walking. Yeah, they're just wandering in the desert. The caravans. <laughs> they've got a bunch of camels. they got a bunch of well, stuff. Well, yeah, it, says, it did say that they had... 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. Yeah, so they, were, <laughs> they had a lot. It was like a whole squad yeah. just like marching through the wilderness. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Later in the book, we find out that it takes like three or four months to walk between them. Yeah, yeah. So these people have been like walking and journeying for a while, and they're tired and ready to be back. Seriously, yeah. a trip. <laughs> I couldn't really imagine like just being sent back to a place that you got kicked out of, and then the relief on their face were like, we're home. Yeah, kind of yeah. After seventy <laughs> years, like it's probably like a whole new generation. Yeah, like, yeah these most people, of those people weren't even alive. These people were like seven when they were kicked out. Another seventy-seven. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's why they one of those moments. I don't in, remember this oh, place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that moment in the movie where it's like, oh, and there's no place like home, and then you like kiss the ground because you're like so happy to be back. You're like, oh, yeah. But, they, but at that point, they're so old they can't even bend down anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, Sonny, would you kiss the ground for me? I can't do it myself. That's so <laughs> real. Like, like that probably was a thing. You've been in, yeah, you seven years. Seen. I mean, yeah, true. It's a little harder to bend. When you <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, so true, so true. All right, yeah. So I think that's super cool. Um, I think another thing that's super cool in the first two chapters is just like in one versus two to four, where like. You know, like, the Persian kings, and, like, this is, like, a theme you see in, like, the whole book of Ezra, is just, like, God's, like, changing the hearts of these, like, kings of these foreign nations to, like, really respect God. And, like, mm-hmm. and like we even, like, saw this when we were reading the book of Daniel, because in Daniel, you see, like, Nebuchadnezzar, like, you know, his heart changes after he sees, like, these guys jump in the fire. Or, like, King Darius, you see, like, his heart changes when Daniel gets thrown in, like, a lion's den and, like, gets, you know you know, not eaten alive. And so, um, so it's cool to see like how God's like changing the hearts of these, these foreign Kings and like giving them a reverence for the God of Israel. So that they're being like, they're making these decisions to like, let the, is like Judah, the people of Judah and Jerusalem to go free and come back to the land. And so it's just really cool how he kind of does that. And then I also really like, in verse 5, it says, Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And, like, I was thinking about it, and I, it kind of made me think, like, in some ways, like, Judah and Benjamin, like, these tribes were kind of, like, some of the first ever, like, missionaries. Because God was just, like, stirring on their heart, basically, like, Whoa. hey, like, go back and reclaim this land that, like, has been broken and like yeah. everything's fallen apart here and like go and bring my kingdom back to this place rebuild my temple mm. in this place where it's been lost and like that just like really hit my heart because like you know earlier this week i was like praying for this part of china called macau which was like it was like the very first um the very first christian um county in china ever and they had like 95 percent christians like 400 years ago but then like um but now over the last few years like now it only has five percent christians left and it was just like i was just like as i was reading this i was thinking about like wow like that's kind of like so we need some we need some tribes to go to macau like bring the christianity back because like you know it was like it started as this place of like revival and hope and then like it just fell to nothing and then like it needs revival to come back and like that's kind of what happened to israel in this context is just like you know it had been taken over 
and like all of its people were removed but now it's like we're gonna bring that back that hope and revival that used to be there again you know so it's super cool wow yeah it's super sweet because like they were coming back to this like spiritually dead place Mm -hmm. and they're here to build a house of the lord and mm-hmm. it's essentially a guy like moves their hearts. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they have been coming back from exile and they definitely have like a heart of like defiance and being kicked out and like yeah. a sad spirit within mm-hmm. them. And it says that the journey was uh, was long, dangerous and expensive. Mm-hmm. So like over the months, like it definitely cost a lot of money for food yeah. in preparation for the whole thing. Like I don't know how you pack four months worth of food if you yeah. pack it along <laughs> That's the actually crazy to think about, yeah. Yeah, they showed up back to, like, a city, like, it's in ruins, there's no proper homes, roads, or city institutions, Mm -hmm. it's like a barren wasteland, they didn't have all the material resources they needed, and they didn't all... It was a desert, right? Exactly, it was just, like, out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They didn't all return to Jerusalem, but spread out over the province of Judea. Right. And there was, like, a bunch of enemies along the way, and the land was actually the position of another empire, so there were a lot of things, like, stacked up, not in their favor, but the Lord was with them, and he stirred their hearts... To come back and be triumphant. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something else too that's really cool is that like when the kings of Persia are like getting like this stirring from God to like let the people go back to their land, like they're also not just like saying okay, like go back to your land, like leave me alone. They're saying like go back to your land, and also I'm gonna send a bunch of people to provide for you, and I'm gonna tell all your neighbors to give you a bunch of free stuff. And it's like God like totally sets Israel up because like you said, like they're going on this four month journey mm-hmm. where it's like it's kind of intimidating because it's like are we gonna have the supplies? But like, um, but God's like stirring the hearts of the kings to basically make them all be like, hey, like we're gonna provide for you, we're gonna give you what you need. So it's like Whoa. it's actually really crazy cool to see that and it's like even a testament to like people in today's age like maybe who have that same missionary heart where it's like you want to take a journey somewhere to like help a people or something like that like it's just kind of cool to look at this and be inspired and be like you know god did it for them like he can do it for me you know and like and he, can, he can provide for me if i'm like following his call in my life to go where he's telling me to go so that's just super cool to me Whoa. i love it he is a good good father ah, so good but yeah, do you guys have anything else on chapters one and two at all that like really jumps out? No. Actually, that might be sick. All right. The sack is given. <laughs> Ezra the cat is just chilling on his little <laughs> mattress under the bed or under the box. That's cute. His little cave. Yeah. It's great. Build up for him. Yeah, so King Cyrus brought out the articles of the House of the Lord when they came back. <laughs> yeah, so, I was, was going to bring that up. Oh, yeah. yeah. When Jerusalem was conquered, the remaining treasures of the temple were taken to Babylon. And after conquering the Babylonians, Cyrus adopted a much more generous policy towards their subject peoples, including the Jewish people. So he was like a lot more generous when they were coming back. Yeah. He took all the treasures that had been taken from them and returned them to them to give them like... It's like a returning gift. It's like a housewarming gift. Yeah. Like when you come back, it's like, okay... We're going to, like, transform. So it's just interesting that the Lord, like, moved King Cyrus's heart and used him as a, as the hands and feet to be able to, to bless the children coming back. Yeah. So, like, I guess I never really understood the point for having riches at the temple. Uh-huh. Well, like, what was the point of that? Um, I mean, I, I get that it was part of, like, honoring, part of the honoring the Lord kind of thing, but... Yeah, I think that was, like, the biggest thing of it. And, like, it was also just, like, in this particular case, it was just, like, returning what had been stolen. Because, like, during Nebuchadnezzar's reign, when, like, you know, the people were exiled, like, they stole so many things from the temple. And, like, now, as he was, like, sending the people back, like, he was sending them back with everything that had been stolen. So it was almost just, like, this 
cool picture of like, you know, like everything that had been lost, like in time, got restored. It didn't happen right away. It took seventy yeah. years, which is like a real thing that happens, like in our walks with God, even today. Like we can lose things in our walks with God, and we can be like, God, where are you at? And like sometimes He takes time to restore things, but He's yeah. always faithful to bring the restoration. And that's Amen. like really cool to see that here in Ezra. It's just mm-hmm. that. You know, after all these years of waiting and not seeing fruit, like now these people are finally being able to see not only like being brought back into their land, but also like all of the things that were stolen from them in the temple, like are being restored there again. And with more too, because like even later in the book, it talks about how future kings like continue to send even more things to the temple because like they want to honor God. So it's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then you, you remember that, like, long list of things that they received in this chapter? Um, Are you talking about the oh, yeah, yeah, inventory? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. verses 9 The basins and the basins yeah, the and bowls the bowls and the bowls. And the bowls. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so it's, just, it's just saying that, like, it indicates how the pride and joy of the people who are receiving the long, hidden, and often desecrated vessels. Mm-hmm. So, just, like, they were, they were so excited to receive these things because they were, like, a remembrance of the past. And, like, oh, we're coming back to this, and this is... This is what was here before, and this is something that we can come back to and continue to use. Like kind of like when you when yeah. you have something that has uh, sentimental value to you. Mm. It's like, oh, this is our people's. Yeah, that's true. Like, imagine if you were like seven and like you ate out of one of them silver bowls, and then like in seventy years you come back and it's like, hey, that's the bowl I ate out of as a kid. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, just I remember super eating rice on that. That's my stuff. It's like if you had a childhood bedroom and then it was left alone. And then you come back to it later, and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Still here. Just looking through all your stuff and remembering everything that happened. Yeah. They have memories attached to pictures and all these different things. Yo. But they probably, they didn't have pictures back then, so they had memories attached to, like, different possessions yeah, the that they used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so cool, That's actually. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. I love thinking of that, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, such a happy... This book starts so happy. Like, everybody's just like, we're coming home. Like, this <clears throat> is our homecoming. We were singing that at worship night last yes. night. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, love it. This is our but yeah, so that, that's kind of the first chapter, and the second chapter kind of just continues on that idea of returning it. It's got a lot of names. It's very similar to the book of Numbers, just like lots of names, lots of numbers. But it's like really, it just is, it shows God's attention to detail that like, mm-hmm. he includes like every single number of every single family. It shows that he's not like forgetting about anybody, like everybody's included in the count of who's coming back. And then we get to chapter three, where the altar is rebuilt. What do you guys think about it? Like, this is the whole important part. Yeah. Uh, whole Verse 11. Uh, this is the NIV. It says, With praise and thanksgiving, they sing, Lord, he is good. His love to Israel endures forever. Yes. That, that kind of stood out to me. Is, is, you know, they were, and then it says, And the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Yes. So they were, they were really happy to come back and, and, um, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool that they, that they're like they're able to have this big celebration when they return. And then verse twelve it says, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former te- temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while mother, while many others shouted for joy. And then what the verse that really stood out to me was, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping. Because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. 
So they were they were having a, a grand old time. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of mixed emotions and feelings about it. Yeah, a lot of stuff happening. It's yeah. really crazy because they came back, and in the seventh month they had the opportunity to come and give it the rebuild. And the seventh month is the month that they celebrate the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Ooh. So it's a lot of the different feasts that they could come and celebrate. And because they had uh, the altar rebuilt, they could actually come and celebrate it. So they were super excited, and some mm-hmm. people probably wanted to let go of the past and bond with the future. But it's cool that the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. It encouraged, like, that. it was the obedience among the returned exiles where they had a small amount of resources and a lot of work to do, but they took the time and money to observe the commands to gather in Jerusalem and to celebrate the major feasts. So mm-hmm. even when, like, they didn't have much at all, they didn't have many resources besides these bowls and mm-hmm. the small stuff that was given to them, yeah. <clears throat> like, they, they took time out of their busy rebuilding schedule and came together as one unity, one family to, to celebrate and remember the Lord and to be rebuilt up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's important because, like, as humans, we want to, like, get the task done. Yeah. We're like, we got yeah. the goal. We're like, we're so close. we got to finish this strong. And it's like, no, 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 no. The Lord's like, hey, this is important for you to take a time to remember me and to gather together as family and to not let tensions rise because probably after rebuilding something for a long time, there's a lot of things that start bubbling up under the surface because people have different personalities yeah. and different things happening, socioeconomic statuses. They're probably rich people, poor people here. Right. And it was a lot of people that was just like, it's important for them to like take a step back from the work and to remember the important thing that brought them back to this place. Yeah. To, to come back and reunite and regroup as a family and then to finish strong. Yeah, to come back to that heart of worship and give God the glory. That's so good. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, I think um, two big things really stand out to me from the <clears throat> chapter. Chapter 3 is probably my favorite chapter in the whole book, to be honest. It's like, so good. I was yeah, that, it ends on a happy note. Yeah, really. it's, it's just so much joy. Um, but my favorite verses are verse 6. It says, 15 days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. And this was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. And I think this is, like, really cool because, like, it shows that before these people start doing work for the Lord is they make these offerings and they kind of like it, in my opinion, like it's really cool how they do that because it, it just kind of like gives this picture of like, it's more important to like come with a heart of surrender, come with a heart of sacrifice um, than to get work done. And I think yeah. that's like, that's like something that I noticed that I thought was really cool that like before they even started doing any work, like they were like, okay, like first we're going to like, get our hearts in the right place and we're going to make these sacrifices and like sometimes in life like maybe you want god to do something really cool or like you're hoping for god to help fulfill a promise in your life um but sometimes in order for that to be fulfilled like it starts with just sacrificing things in your heart and like Mm -hmm. giving your heart over to him so i think that was really cool how it talks about just like the offerings that were made and then i really really like at the end too with um just verses 12 and 13 where it talks about how like some of the older like people who you know had been um who had been at the temple like 70 years ago like Mm -hmm. had those mixed emotions or it's like you know this is this time of new hope but like it's hard for them to let go of like the old time like where like they had hope in a different way Mm -hmm. and like it was taken away from them at that point exactly and then now it's brought back so i can see why they were sad at that point. yeah there's like mixed emotions because it's like you know, they're so happy that there is, like, a new hope, but they also, there's still part of them that misses how it used to be. Yeah. So it's, like, mm. this, this like, conflicting feeling. 
where it's like having to work up the courage to like enjoy God in a new way almost. And like, I think that's also something that's like applicable in life is like maybe you have a season where you're like plugged into like a really good church or a really good ministry or a really good community. And then like, maybe that'll go away and you'll slowly find a new place and a new way to worship the Lord and a new way to engage with him. But it's going to look different and it might be hard at first because it's not the same. But then like when you learn to like fully praise the Lord and rejoice for like the new thing that you have, like then you can, then you can get to the point where even like it says at the end where you, you can't even tell the crying and the laughing apart anymore. Yeah. It just all sounds like laughing and like all like joy <laughs> yeah. and stuff, you know? Just trying to imagine that yeah. image in my head. Yeah. So that's like super crazy to think about. Yeah. Just having that celebration. Mm. So good. Yeah, I just think it's cool that they chose to build the altar first before finishing off the entire temple. Because it was one of those, like, when you're going to do something that seems big, you want to get something that gives you almost immediate gratification. Yeah. So you feel motivated to finish off the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we're going to do what we can, and it's the spiritual significance of it. So because they had the altar, they could then start making sacrifices again and return Mm -hmm. to all these different things that need a temple and need an altar for them to be able to do them like burnt offerings or morning and evening burnt offerings that was written in the law of Moses so just like remembering the Lord's commandments and being able to fulfill them so they felt like they were getting closer to the Lord again yeah it's so interesting so good alright should we move to chapter 4 boys yes yes okay so chapter four for me is really confusing because it's not really written in chronological order, which is like the weirdest part about it. So like the first five verses are like about one thing and they just like start talking about like these other guys who like are reigning like super later. But like the main point of the whole chapter is it just like is talking about like all different kinds of like opposition basically. That, mm-hmm. that like, you know, these people are doing something for the Lord and when you do something for the Lord... Like, people get mad, and they're like, we don't like this. Like, we're going to try and ruin it. And um, and especially, like, the guys here who, like, in the in verses 6 to 23, they're, like, sending a letter to King Artaxerxes, and they're basically trying to tell him, like, hey, like, these dumb, like, Judah people, <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to build this thing, and they're probably trying to threaten you or something. Mm-hmm. Like Basically, they're, like, just trying to plant seeds of doubt and plant seeds yeah. against God. And, like, you know, you'll have that. That's even common, like, in life today, like, where people are yeah. trying to plant seeds of doubt, plant things against God. So it's, like, it's really interesting to see that. And it even, like, reminds me of in Daniel, like, when, you know, those guys are trying to get Daniel thrown in the lion's den, mm-hmm. and they're trying to change the laws just to, like, get Daniel eaten alive. <laughs> and, like, you know, sometimes in life, there's just, like, you know, when people see the work that God's doing and they get jealous or they feel like they're not a part of it. Like they can do everything they can to try and come against the people of God. And you kind of see that all throughout this chapter. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I I wrote down, uh, verses, uh, 15 to 16. So that a search may be made in the archives of your predecessors in these records, you will find that, that in this city's rebellious city, troublesome in kings and province, a place of rebellion from ancient times. This is why this city was destroyed. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting how they were, that, you know, that they were describing 
I think it was Jerusalem, right? Is that where they were building this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were, but they were describing Jerusalem as a um, rebellious city. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, troublesome in kings and provinces and place of rebellion from ancient times, which if you look at the history of the Israelites, you, you saw that a lot where they yeah. where they would, like, because we're going through Judges right now in a um, ministry that I'm in, you know, like how they were, they would, for a period of time, would follow the Lord, then they would it's you know they would stop following the Lord mm-hmm. and they would yeah you know worship other stuff and mm-hmm. do all sorts of stuff that was against the Lord they'd be sold into oppression they'd cry out for the Lord it was just kind of like a cycle yeah so so like that's mm-hmm. somewhat accurate right that you know that, that that's actually that true right it is true and that's kind of just human nature it's right you know it's hard for mm-hmm. humans they get yeah. a lot of roadblocks in the way and they they you know they choose the world instead of choose the Lord yeah yeah I was but, gonna say um, don't we do that today that's so crazy yeah. like. You're like, oh, I need the Lord. And like, you have a season of like, this is so simple and the Lord is so close and this is amazing. (laughs) And then you get used to it and then you're like, this other thing looks really cool, this temptation of the flesh. And then you get into Mm -hmm. that and you're like, this is pretty great. And all of a sudden you're like, this is bad. This is, I feel convicted. This is bad. Mm -hmm. Lord, where are you? And then he comes back and you're like, this is awesome. (laughs) It's like, I know some people might feel like in a good, you know, season of their life, they might not need the Lord, but. That's um, what's tough. Yeah, because it's, like, it's important to like right. stay in relationship need, and like you need, need him. him. Yeah, their whole life, all and times. He's given you things when you're on the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah, it doesn't just take the lowest of lows for you to realize you need a savior. Like in my case, like I realized I need a savior in a low point, mm-hmm. but now I feel like I'm, I've been going in a high point and I still have that relationship. Yeah. Um, but I I think getting to that point of just stagnant in your faith is, you know, you kind of gotta still have that relationship yeah that's or you know it's it's very important Mm -hmm. but i I, it was definitely very you know interesting that 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 they were bringing that up and then they were and then verse 16 we inform you the king that this city is built and its walls are restored you will be left with nothing in trans euphorites i think i said that right trans euphorites um i don't know my translation says something different so i'm not sure yeah Pretty sure I said that right, but yeah, that's very interesting that that they were trying to basically soil the plans. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's accurate or not, I mean, they're still honoring the Lord, trying to get this going with very little materials. Mm-hmm. Like if that doesn't mean that a lot in the Lord's eyes, and I don't know what does, because they they were showing their faith yeah. by coming back with very little. Yeah. And you know, and then they were they were it's it's a step of faith. They didn't really have a whole lot. Right. And then you know they're now they're accused. now they're they're getting accused of being you know sinful and rebellious and you know which maybe they were, but they're still showing that act of faith. Yeah. Yeah, you're onto something. It's super important because like yeah. if you are faithful with little, you'll be faithful to a lot. And if you squander a little, you will squander a lot. So like the Lord, it's just a, it's a fun realization that when the Lord gives you a little bit and you use that little bit for him, like then he will bless you with more. Like he can take the smallest amount of faith and make it prosper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all it takes is a little, like little seed. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting too is just like, these guys are like, they're bringing up, like, cause like you said, like these things are true, like in the past, like. Israel has had, like, this rebellious streak. They've done these troublesome mm-hmm. things. And, like, now these guys who are enemies of Israel are just, like, you know, like, what the heck? Like, yeah, even like, though they trust these guys. Even though, they're starting, yeah, even though they're starting to do good things, like, um, they're holding their past over them. And I think that's, like, another thing that happens, like, within the church a lot is, like, if somebody, like, maybe has a, a rough past of, like, you know, doing something like drugs mm-hmm. or alcohol or, like, 
you know, and fill in the blank random sin that mm-hmm. like makes them look like this rotten person. Like, and then they come to Jesus yeah. and they start doing things for God. Like, you know, the enemies of um, the enemies of God are going to try and accuse them. They're going to try and be like, oh, like, oh, didn't this oh, guy do this? But you did your yeah. past. You did this. You did that. And like, um, you're a new person in Christ, though. That's yeah, the thing. It doesn't exactly. Matter. It doesn't matter what you exactly. did. You come to Christ. Like that's yeah. all. That's all gone. You're something new. Right. And these people might try to accuse you and try to halt what you're doing. But at the end of the day, the Lord always succeeds, you know, and in this chapter, it talks about how the rebuilding got stopped for different yeah. seasons because of like these accusations. But in the end, God wins out and the temple gets built and like it all comes together. So like, yeah, even like if anyone out there is like having that kind of season where maybe you feel accused, maybe you feel like your past is being held over you and keeping you from like fulfilling whatever God may have in your life, like. Just know that, like, God is going to come through. He always does. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God's got it. Yeah. He can handle anything. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's hard to kind of comprehend that because I know some people might think that stuff they're going through is the end of the world. But yeah. In all reality, it's nothing in God's eyes. Right. You know, he can handle it. Exactly. He's so good, man. Yeah. This is what I love talking about the Bible. Just <laughs> realize how good God is, you know? Yeah. <sighs> so good. An amazing God. Yes. Yeah, because he's got the perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're all super close up and personal with these things because it's happening right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he sees it from outside of time and he's like, this isn't really that huge. Yeah. Yeah. He sees like, it I've, I've seen this. I've seen that. Like, yeah, I'll bring you through. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know, that's nothing. I can handle it. Just, you know, and it's it comes back to we need to be in prayer with him every day. Yeah. We got to turn those things over to God. We got to. You know, if we're dealing with mental stuff, we got to give it to him. You mm-hmm. know, if we're dealing with, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is, give it to him. Yeah, just place it in his hands. Mm-hmm. He'll... He's got the whole... And, and, and you know, it's it's not... The other thing, I feel like it's not going to be an overnight process either. And so, That's so true. If it's like a mental issue you're going through, you're going to have to have that, that daily relationship with him that, you know, continually renew your mind. You know, Romans... In Romans, it says, um, you know, do not be transformed by... Re- by the uh, or sorry, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed by the yeah. patterns of this mm-hmm. world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's yeah. that's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. That's not a do it once you're changed. I mean, you might be changed when you get saved. Yeah, but you still need to be. It's your re- mind is always being renewed. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like whenever you think you have it figured out, is the moment you gotta think again because you gotta <laughs> think again. Yeah, it comes into the like you know spiritual high if you think you're close with God. Well. Wake up tomorrow and, and, and you gotta get even you can yeah. always get closer. Yeah. There's there's not you're never too close to God. Like you, yeah. you can always get closer. Yeah, and if you get really close to God for a while, you have a shining face. <laughs> like Moses who went up on the mountain. That's true. And then he came back down and his face was glowing. And they're like, Oh your face is so bright, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. The more time you spend in the presence of the Lord, you literally glow as a person. Yeah. Because the Lord has that effect on you. It's like if you walked into a place that was radioactive. Like, if you had a Geiger counter, you could mm-hmm. literally test the radioactivity of the yeah. place. Yeah. If you stood in a radioactive place for a certain amount of time, and then you came out of it, like, they could tell, like, you've been there, because the Geiger counter would register on you, you'd be slightly radioactive, yeah. because you were in the presence <clears throat> of radioactivity. Uh-huh. So when you're in the presence of the Lord, and you come away, like, you can tell that you are closer to the Lord, because yeah. you've been with Him. Yeah, it's like you... You stick a stick a piece of wood in a fire, <laughs> and then it gets us on fire. Exactly. <laughs> it also comes out in our actions too. Like if yeah. you if you hang like if you hang around with a lot of unbelievers and you're like you know pretty close with God, like it, it can definitely rub off on people your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
trying to think of an example, but I can't really think of one. But um, just, you know, just the way people like when I first met Dan, for example, mm-hmm. um, I just thought he was really cool. Like the way he acted was just like different. Yeah. Oh, like it was it was just different. Yeah. <laughs> and same with same with Zach. Like mm-hmm. met you at the North Star Christian Fellowship. Hey. And I was like I was like, hmm, this guy's a little uh little different than everybody else that goes here kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like it was pretty it was pretty obvious there was something something different like in a good way, but like yeah. it wasn't like you were doing stuff that was bad, but like, right. it, it was just the way that like you guys acted is different. Yeah. Like and it's pretty obvious, like you can tell like when people are Christians. Yeah, when you walk closely with the yeah, Lord. Like, like you, it talk. just shows mm-hmm. in your actions. Mm-hmm. It's, so cool. it's crazy because you don't even realize it. Yeah. Like, I never realized that I'm acting in a way that honors the Lord. I just feel like I'm just... Living life. Yeah, just living <laughs> life, just doing what I know yeah. is right. <laughs> yeah. But then to the outside, it's like, oh, like, this is obviously different. You come at life from a different perspective, point of view. Yeah. How do you think this way? How do you act this way in this situation? Like for example, I don't think I've ever seen you mad. You're always in like a good mood. I don't, You're I don't always, think I have yeah, he's yeah, always in a good mood. Actually, that like oh, yeah. study like two weeks. Ago. Oh yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I just felt really, I felt protective. Yeah, that was an interesting oh, story. Yeah, most of the time, I was like, I've never felt. But it's like, but it's like when I see Dan, just like man, I want that joy. Yeah, like just like I want that. Share it. Share it all day. Yeah. Alright, well you guys want to jump into the next Wait, chapter? you want to know something interesting oh, about dang, the very beginning of this chapter? Oh, okay. <laughs> interesting things. So, we were reading about the adversaries, and I wanted to know who the adversaries were. Oh, who these, like, so, people were. Yeah, who were these people coming against it? I was like, what the heck? So I, I looked it up, and it's interesting, because they were the early Samaritans. They were the ones who were brought into the lands of the former, former kingdom of Israel after its fall. Uh-huh. And uh, so, like, when, when the people left... There was a there was a remnant of descendants from the lowest and the poorest of the land that was left behind in the exile. Yeah. So like all of the poor people had these kids and they couldn't afford because it was an expensive, dangerous trip to go back. So right. they couldn't afford to take them with. So some of these kids got left behind and them and the largely desolate area, like there are people just from the desolate area that was large that came to this because there was like a little bit of a remnant that they could start up and like they could live in the ruins, kind of be homeless over there. Yeah. And then, like, the people are coming back to rebuild the city, and you're like, bro, this is our free domain. Oh. They were kind of ticked about it because, like, they had gotten used to living there. And even, like, when you don't have much, it's what you have, and it feels like it's being taken from you yeah. when you transform it back to its former glory. Mm-hmm. So they were just upset that they were taking the thing that they felt that they had and had ownership of because they had been there so for so long without anyone coming in and messing it up. Kind yeah. Of. That's so interesting. Which is super cool. Yeah. It kind of like, it kind of like gives me a picture of like, I don't know if this is like a one-to-one correlation, but like when like we, like Columbus came to America and like all the Indians were there already. They're like, we already have this land. They're like, this is already set up. And then Columbus is like, sorry man, I'm so taking it over. He's like, I'm planting corn. He's like, I'm taking it over. (laughs) Which, which is interesting because it's like, you know, it's not great when people have to get taken over, but like, I guess sometimes like God... The points to that it's so interesting yeah hmm. yeah yeah very interesting indeed okay well I guess we can go to five and six now so five and six are both like chapters about letters like being sent um, from Tatanai to Darius <clears throat> and basically Tatanai I feel like this kind of like connects to what you were saying too, Dan, where it's like these other people 
like from the nearby areas, like the governors of all the areas nearby Jerusalem are like kind of wondering like, hey, why are you guys coming in here and trying to build your temple when you guys haven't been here for 70 years? Like, what mm-hmm. makes you think you can do this? Like, who told you you can do this? <laughs> yeah. And like, um, and now it's like King Darius's reign. So like Cyrus was the one who gave the command. So now it's like, okay, like you say Cyrus said you could do this. Well, we need some proof. Like we got to ask Darius if this is true. So they basically like just send him a letter and they're like, hey, Darius, like, did Cyrus say these people can do this? <laughs> like, they're yeah. not really sure. And then Darius is like, yeah, they said that they can do this. And also, you guys better help them or I'm going to cut your heads off. <laughs> like, basically. So it's like, it's very interesting. That was five, right? Uh, five and six, yeah. Six, well, I'm just reading it. was The the title is The Decree of Darius. Yeah. So, I know they, they were looking for a stored treasury of Babylon. The scroll was found in the citadel. Of Ekbatana in the province of Medea, and this was, written, and then they just they, there's a letter that was written on it. Yeah, yeah. So they were just looking for scrolls and stuff. Yeah, they find they basically are just trying to find the proof that Cyrus did did tell these people to come to Jerusalem and build the temple, and they're also trying to find like the proof that um, that Cyrus also wanted to help the neighbors to help with this, and like when Darius finds that, then in six verse eleven. He basically tells them, like, hey, you guys better help them out. Or it says, those who violate this decree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house. And they will be tied to it and flogged. And their house will be reduced yeah. to a pile of rubble. So he's yeah. basically just like, yo, help out these people building the temple. Or else I'll kill you. <laughs> this one says impaled. Yeah. like I mean, like, yeah, yeah different translations, like, kind of say. So impaled, like, to me, means, yeah. like, just killed, right? Like, stabbed, like through the chest or something. Yeah, yeah like... You're and yours says flogged. That, ne- that wouldn't necessarily kill you. You yeah. just a lot. It's interesting. I don't know how these translations get so different, but I guess yeah. they're just trying to make it... This point. is all... This is NIV 1984. It's not even the new one. <laughs> That's so It's not even the new one. Yeah. This I mean, they all make the same point, like, though. Basically, you die. Like, maybe they got creative with explaining how you die, but... But it's definitely... Yeah. <laughs> the point is clear. That is very clear indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, do you have any commentary takes from these chapters? Mm. It's just cool how... Uh, it's basically like the people were like, Hey, uh, they wanted to sound really spiritual. Yeah. And they did not want the temple built. And they're like, it's not the right timing. Right. <laughs> And the prophet rebukes them, and he's like, um, the Lord said it's the right timing. Yeah. And the Lord comes in and says, hey, you need to help out. Which is crazy. Like, being rebuked by God is ridiculous. And I can't believe what all that would entail. And it's really bold of the people to to come against their building of the temple. But I feel like it was the same remnant who had already lived there, and they're like, we gotta save our land somehow. We gotta Mm -hmm. make up anything. They're They're grasping at straws. Yeah. And God is all about it. He's, it's his temple, so he was protecting the work, allowing it to continue. And he was working through it with them and giving them good reports for King Darius. Yeah. And then Darius he came in and he was like, don't mess with them or you die. <laughs> yeah, that's, kind of, that's kind of funny how you put that. He's like, don't mess with them or you die. <laughs> like, but that's like cool how God like put a guy behind them that was like, hey, like, 
put a guy in charge kind of thing. Yeah. Because he really wanted this to happen. Because normally, like, authorities are, like, super against Christians. But, like, in this case, like, Darius is just, like... He's all for it. Don't mess with the people of God or else. Like, or else. It's, 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 like, cool to see, like, a shift. Because, like, in most of scripture, you just see people killing Christians. But here, here he's like, if you're not a Christian, I kill you. <laughs> like, I mean, I, or a Jew in this specific context. Because Christians didn't exist yet. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah. So crazy. So... Crazy. Yeah, it was cool because Cyrus didn't only just give them permission to rebuild the temple, but he commanded the the funding of it from the royal treasury. Yeah. So he's like, we're gonna fund this entire thing. Not only is it like it's the time, but it, like we're gonna make it happen. Exactly. Yeah, and he, and like he also commands like back in chapter one verse four, like wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver, gold supplies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like basically, he's like, you know, let the neighbors help. The neighbors are supposed to help. <laughs> yeah, it's basically all of the stuff that was stolen from the temple two generations before, now is being brought back. Yeah. Super, super cool. So, um, yeah, and another thing cool about this chapter is that it, it talks about the prophets of the time, which were Haggai and Zechariah, mm-hmm. which we were reading Zechariah two weeks ago. So it's just cool to see him in there playing his part, encouraging the people to make the temple... And um, and actually, at the end of chapter six is when the temple does get finished. Um, do we know how long it took? Um, I'm just curious if there's somehow the context. It says during the sixth year of Darius's reign is when it was completed. Um, I know it started during Cyrus's reign, so I don't know how long that would probably the entire like a, process was, but probably a decent probably chunk like 10, of time. Twenty years, maybe. Yeah, it was pretty big. Maybe longer, yeah. It was a pretty long time. Like, they were really putting the work in, you know? Dan, do you have any commentary on that? I was just reading on the finishing of it. I was like, it was very political. Oh, really? (laughs) That it needed to be be moved very quickly to show respect for the policies of Cyrus and to promote stability in a part of the empire, which was important for communications with Egypt at a time when widespread unrest had only recently been quelled. So it was just talking about how like there was a lot of unrest happening and Cyrus had commanded it to be happen yeah. and he had given them a large grant, a lot of resources, a lot of money to make mm-hmm. it happen. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we got to finish this up very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then they did it. As did quick it? as they could anyway. So cool. Okay, so it took four years for the oh. resumption of construction. Oh, we thought okay, it was well, <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, well, it also got stopped for a while too because of all the. Well, then yeah. Well, the, then the including that, it might have taken longer. Yeah. Yeah, it was finished on the third day of the month, which was in the sixth year. Mhm. But well, it was yeah. four years of actual work. So it was two years that it was stopped. Mhm. Well, I think it started before Darius's reign, though, right? The very beginning. It was chapter two or chapter three that it started, wasn't it? Yeah. So it definitely like, yeah. I think Darius's reign is when it resumed, and so it was four years of work after it resumed. But there was also work before, like the foundation. I think was laid before. Yeah, yeah, it was, just, it was just four so, years after. Yeah, so like from the foundation to the whole thing, that would have been a longer time. But four years at the after Darius was like, I'm stepping in and killing you if you don't <laughs> let these guys build. And they're so, like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's like sorry, 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 sorry. I bet, I bet. That's what every that's what every missions movement needs. It needs a Darius to come say hey. Hey, I mean, but not, but not, not literally. (laughs) (laughs) 
there's gotta be there's gotta be a plan B other than you know violence. But that's true. <laughs> maybe like uh, something else. Like we'll, we'll we'll freeze your bank account or something. Oh <laughs> dang! You gotta you know, help, or you can't use the money you have. You can't use the money. You can't spend any money. <laughs> Immediately the banks call. We take away your car you or something. Take away your that's house. So funny. People just vanish. They disappear. I love that. There'd be a mass exodus. <laughs> Wow, that's beautiful. Hey, you gotta starve them out from the inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my gosh, Mike. I'm so glad you're on the show. Me too. <laughs> Alright, should we do chapter 7? Ezra, Ezra finally shows up in chapter 7. It's true. Welcome to your book, Ezra. Welcome to your book, homie. <laughs> yeah, so it says... One thing that's interesting about Ezra is it says he's a scribe. He's like a writer. He likes to write things. I like writing things. So, I like Ezra. He's a good guy. And it also says he's a descendant of Aaron, like Moses' brother from like the Old Testament. Like he was like his great 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 grandson. Yeah, like, like way back. So, like, yeah. <laughs> after all these years. And so he was like super obsessed. Ezra was like super obsessed with like the law of Moses. And loved like teaching it to people. Um so like he was originally in Babylon, but then he um he was led or, or, like, he was getting stirred by God to basically, to go to Israel and to go to Jerusalem to basically share the law of Moses with the people. Because, like, all the exiled people who were in Jerusalem, like, they kind of, like, forgot, like, yeah, God's they, laws. They were just rebelling. And they kind of just lived know, their lives. For like, 70 years, you know. Yeah, they needed the somebody to come back mm-hmm. in and, like, lay down the law and be like, hey, this is how God's just to do things, like. Don't just come back and be rebels again, or else you're gonna get kicked out again. You know that. Like, oh yeah. Like so, so he's coming in and he's like, "I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell these people what to do, like what, how God wants them to live." And it's really cool to see Ezra step up in his own book and bring down some good truth. Um, yeah. Dan, what do you think about it? So it's been 60 years that nothing really happened. And between chapter 6 and 7, the entire book of Esther took place. Oh, really? Esther's between that? Mm-hmm. That's really well, I think it's, it's written, it's listed, Eth- Ether? Or is that what you're talking about? Ether? Esther? E-S-T-H-E-R? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was Ether. No, <laughs> it's Esther. Esther. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it happens between chapter 6 and 7 in Ezra. It's interesting. Okay, that's kind of cool to know, like, the context. Because we were wondering, like, me and Dan on the car idea, we were like, what does Esther happen in life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we know. Because Dan, use his commentaries. <laughs> use your resources, man. It's good. But yeah, I think it's interesting that, like, they were gone for 70 years and they just kind of forgot the law. So it's kind of cool that Ezra comes in and is trying to basically set them straight. Yeah, it's good. In a way, it kind of connects with like Paul writing those letters to like the different churches. Basically, like they were doing yeah. their own thing, and then Paul's like, "No, no, no, true. That's not what Jesus said." Well, that's kind of true. <laughs> He's yeah. like, Jesus says this. Like you guys are doing this. Yeah. Like that's so. It just shows that that humans are inherently sinful, yeah. and you know you got to be reminded all the time of what the actual law is. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's real. I think Ezra, yes. He's kind of is like the Old Testament Paul. It's kind yeah. Of yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, except he was never a murderer beforehand, you know. But, yeah, but he, like, <laughs> came in. But he, but he came like, in okay. and he was basically like, like yeah. kind of like Paul. He's like, he's like, no, 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 you guys need to do yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, we're doing it wrong. He was, he's, like, he's like, you know, you know, you know remember this? Like, this, you got to do this and you guys are doing this. Like, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, that's super cool. I did find out how far it is between Babylon and Jerusalem. How far? So it's 500 miles as the crow flies, but it's 900 miles if you follow the river, which is in the way. Oh, okay. So, like, it's a legitimate long journey. Yeah. It would take probably eight hours to drive it. Okay. So, like, in our on time, foot, so On foot, I'm guessing it probably took months. Yeah, it took four it months. It took four months. So, to so they took it from April to August in mm-hmm. verse nine. So that's really interesting. You can just imagine it's kind of the weather they were experiencing during that. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Imagine that. Yeah. A lot of things that happened. Sandstorms. Oh, no. Yeah. All that. It does say later, though, that God, like, protected them from bandits and from hardships along their journey. So they didn't get any, like, thieves stealing their their stuff. So that was good. Um, And also another cool thing is, like, they were sent with a lot of favor. Like, our taxerces sends this big letter to Ezra where he basically says, like, hey, I'm going to support your people in this journey. And I'm going to give you all this silver and gold um, and basically like these donations for the temple. Um, And he says in verse um, 23, be careful to provide whatever the God of heaven demands for his temple. For why should we risk bringing God's anger against the realm of the king and his sons? So you can see that like he's doing this like partially out of reverence for God, but like also like. I mean, like, it says in the Bible, like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, like, when it, it talks about that, it means, like, fear is a word that can also mean reverence. And so, like, basically, like, the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, in this situation, like, these kings, like, they're having, like, this reverence for God, which is stirring them to bless Ezra. And you see, like, at the end of the chapter, Ezra is, like, praising the Lord because he's like, wow, God, like, these these random leaders are, like, blessing us with all these things to travel with. And they're making it where we're going to be traveling safely and we're going to be able to have God's blessing in what we're doing. And it's just really cool that um, that they have, like, the favor of God in that way. And it's cool to see that God can, like, open doors and give us favor from, like, the most unexpected places to, mm-hmm. to carry out his work. So it's super cool. I love Ezra. He's a good guy. I think Ezra's a boss. He comes in like a <laughs> pastor. Yeah. So right in verses 7 through 10. Yeah, yeah. chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, where he's talking about... Oh, we're chapter 8 now? Yeah, seven. yeah. Oh, we're, oh even, no, my bad. I'm still in 7. Okay. You're in 7? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he comes in with like a three-point sermon, basically. Yeah. So he shows up uh, with to seek the Lord, to do, and to teach God's Word. Yeah. So he had his heart prepared, and he wanted to seek the law of the Lord... To fully impact God's word is made by those who diligently seek after his word and fellowship with God in his word. Yeah. And then secondly, he meant to do it, which means that the full impact with God's word is made by those who are not only hearers of the word, but those who are also doers. Yeah. It's to be lived, not only known. And third, to teach, which is super cool because I love teaching people. Yeah. It means that the full impact with God's word is made by those who actually teach it to others. Yeah. What has been learned in the seeking and the doing must be put into effect through the teaching of God's word. So, like, Ezra is a fine character at, for a minister of God. He prepares, he fixes purposes and determines with his heart. 
and the powers and affections to seek the law of God, to do it himself, that he may be properly qualified to teach its statutes and judgments to Israel. So he comes through and he's like, I've gone through all of these different areas of the word and I want to teach you how, how to seek after the Lord, to do what it says in the Bible and then to teach it to others, which is a cool model for an entire church to be built on. Yeah. So that's the whole idea. You want to be able to like follow the Lord's heart and see where the Lord's at and then to understand what's happening and to walk away and to not forget it, but actually like to apply mm-hmm. it to your life and help others to apply it to their lives. Because when you teach it, you actually cement it in your mind. Yeah, they always talk about that in school. They're like, you can just read it and you return like 20%. And if you read it out loud and you hear it and see it, then it's like 60, 70%. But then teaching it's the last 30. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that, actually. Yeah. I've experienced that for sure. Like, just like when you, like, I mean, like, some of the times I've connected with the Lord the most have been like in planning and teaching Bible studies to other people. Because it's like when you, like, plan this stuff out yourself like you just connect with God in like a different way when you're like putting in that work to like to plan it to like to share it with other people like even like this podcast like you know like I I read the Bible sometimes on my own but like when I'm reading it for this podcast it feels more intentional it feels like you know I gotta take my notes I gotta share it with you guys the people (laughs) and like it helps you grow in like a different way when you're like doing it for like others outside of just yourself and like yeah that's what I really love about Ezra is he's just like this character who loves the word of God and not just like loves it for himself but loves it to, teach to, sh- others, to share yeah. with others yeah which but is important that's especially, like inspiring yeah, yeah. With, with like what they were coming out of you know seven years of not following the word basically yeah. doing whatever because they got kicked out yeah and then he's like no we gotta like get back into the grind you know yeah he's like <laughs> we're doing it again we're, we're gonna follow the Lord again yeah. like, he's the one that got you out of that now you're gonna we're gonna all worship him and like we yeah. should kind of, he's know? like a super cool guy so good. I would love to meet him. Oh yeah. Like if he if like I could go back in time, I would love to just meet this guy. Let's just go forward in time, eternity. We'll just hang out. Like, <laughs> guys, real, what's up, homie? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's cool. All right, let's hit chapter eight then. Let's keep it. Let's keep trucking along. So eight talks mostly about their journey to Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, talks about they the camp out at this canal, and they take time to pray and fast and ask God to give them safe travels on their journey. And then uh, we also have Ezra. Um, it says that they didn't have any Levites in their clan, um, which Levites were like the tribe that was most known for having priests. And so you see kind of like that Ezra seems to just kind of be gathering up a bunch of random people who were just leaders. And he kind of, I think he appoints them to be priests. I think that's what I so got out of it. So they become Levites or are they? I think they become priests. I think that's like how I read it. Did you, Dan, did you get any commentary on that or no? Not yet. Not yet. It's tough to find. Yeah. I really, I was really curious about that because we were asking about that on the way here. It's yeah. like, uh, so do we have priests? Are but from priests? my understanding, it sounds like they didn't have any priests with them. So like he just picked like a bunch of guys who were like, you guys would be good leaders. And he was like, now you can become priests. Maybe that was part of his plan, honestly. Yeah, because like, no. Yeah, because he could just kind of notice that there was none of them who had volunteered. So it's just like if nobody's going to volunteer, like, like other people have to you. step up. Yeah. And that happens like sometimes in life too. Like if you're in like, you know, a church and like you don't have someone to lead the kids' ministry, then somebody might be like, hey, you I'll random guy, you're going to lead the kids' <laughs> ministry. Like, you know, like, all right, all right. <laughs> sometimes that's what happens. Like if there's no one else to fill the role, then somebody's just got to step up, you know? I do find it interesting that yeah. um, I know this isn't necessarily about Ezra, but um, in Judges, when they had. Um, I'm going to go back and find it. Yeah, go for it. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with Moses. Like. 
got Moses didn't want to lead the people at first. He was like afraid. Yeah. He was like, I think they describe him as like the least of his family or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, like he didn't want to do it. Yet God saw something in in like the least. Yeah, he least always, likely candidate. That's like my favorite thing about God. Um, oh my and God. he's done that multiple times. He yeah. did that in uh, Judges, if I can find this one. I think it was with um, Gideon? Gideon, yeah. yeah. Like, he described himself as, like, uh, if I can find it. Uh, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. I'm the least in my family. And then God, mm-hmm. the Lord's like, no, yeah. no, no, you're going to lead the people here. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's the beauty pretty of God. Much like, Isn't that hilarious? It's like, oh, you're actually going to do all of this. And it's yeah. like, they might be the least in the family, but God doesn't necessarily want the ones that have the power. He wants the ones that don't. That yeah. make the biggest impact. Right. Because then, like, when they do something, they can tell it wasn't them, but it was God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen that in my life a bunch. Like, I've always been, like, one of the least qualified people. So, like, whenever God uses me for something, I'm like, praise the <laughs> Lord. Like, I think <laughs> it's right that we've used. <laughs> so much fun. But it is very interesting that like, you see that several times in Scripture where... Yeah. And then, like, like David, for example, mm-hmm. or, and Daniel, Daniel, like, those two guys, like, yeah. were, were, like, the least of their families, like, not the most, like, the... You know, like, because something in about, like, in, like, the royalty or whatever, like, like, you're, like, where you were born in the family matters uh-huh. and, and whatnot. So, like, I know David was not really meant to be king at all. Yeah, like, he, he, did not shepherd look, boy. he did not look like a king whatsoever, and yet he was, like, the foundation for all kings of Israel kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know, he just, he, he seems to use the people that are least... I guess least likely to be what you would think as leaders, right? But then they turn out making the biggest impact. Definitely. I just I find that interesting about throughout history, looking at the Bible. So good. Exactly. I found out about the Levites. Ooh, Dan has figured this out. <laughs> yeah. So the Levites are different from priests. They're the larger tribe. Okay. From the family of from which the family of priests come, which is the descendants of Aaron. Yes. They were the essential workers for the system of the temple worship that Ezra was to promote. Okay. So, like, for the temple being rebuilt, like, they needed the Levites to come and do their duties for it to work out. Yeah. And then they had a couple theories as to why they didn't come back with the people. Yeah. Because perhaps the Levites were generally too comfortable with their lives in Babylon to go back to Jerusalem. Okay. Because they they had been put under the authority of priests when they were there, and now that they're out from under authority, they're like, we have the authority now, we can do whatever we want. So they didn't want to go back into a system that had them be servants because they didn't want to serve anymore, probably. Okay. It's weird because Ezra had all the money and authority and resources, but he didn't have the specific men in order to make it happen. Yeah. Okay. So Levites were like, they were lower than priests? They were like servants? Yeah. Levites were under the priests. Okay. I mean, I, I, you could argue that a priest technically is a servant too. Yeah. I mean, they're serving the oh, people. Oh, true. Yeah. So, I mean, like, but they're, I wouldn't really consider them like, they're not like serving under... Like a master. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're in a way they're serving the Lord, but also serving people. Uh-huh. But I, I would, like, I guess you could say they're not really serving underneath somebody. Yeah. I guess, but they're still technically servants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just under the authority of the priests, and then maybe okay. they just don't like being under their authority. So, yeah. so maybe, so I guess that was kind of like the problem was like that they didn't have any leadership I think was they didn't have any like servants like it sounds like they might have had leaders then but they didn't have people to serve so, so then like you see that Ezra he sends for these people who were leaders and maybe he like asked them to be servants is that kind of what's happening I wonder if he just asked them to be leaders 
asking them to be, but like the best leaders are servants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, cause that's what Jesus shows. He shows that like, you know, the best way to lead is to serve. So exactly. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to figure out what this chapter is really trying to say. It might not really even have that much of a deeper meaning. It might just be a story. I'm just like, yeah, they traveled and they made it. <laughs> or maybe it has I mean, but it also talks a little bit about yeah. who's with him so they yeah. just they list like I all, the all the different yeah. people that are with him which yeah. uh, I'm not exactly sure how many because it doesn't list that full number in here right but um all kinds of people oh it says right here in verse 20 they also brought 220 of the temple servants a body that David and the officials oh, had servants. established to assist the Levites all were registered by name so maybe they, they guess oh, they did so, bring servants. So I guess they did bring servants. They just okay. And in verse twenty. Okay, that's pro- that's probably why they brought servants. Is because they because like earlier it talks about how they didn't have Levites. So like okay, we don't have Levites. But it says right here they, to assist the Levites. So that's what the servants. It looks like they did was assist the Levites. Well, it says they were assistants to the Levites. So, yeah. So like maybe they like helped the Levites back in mm-hmm. back in Babylon, but now they're like gonna like bring in the. New, like, the new servants? I don't know. <laughs> so Ezra was kind of ticked that oh. the Levites didn't come. Okay. And he didn't accept the initial failure of Levites to join the group, so he kept appealing for them to come back. Oh. So... Did they ever come back? He planned carefully in the Levite recruitment effort. He specifically chose the recruiters, nine leaders, and two men of understanding to make the appeal as persuasive as possible. So he, he went out and he got, like, the advertisers of the day, like, the people who make it sound good, and they're like, yeah. okay, I need you to get these Levites to come back to me. Like, what are okay. we going to do? Did it work? So, did <laughs> They brought us a man of understanding. The mass of understanding? So there was an understanding man, oh, Sherebiah. He was, he, he responded to the call and led a delegation of Levites. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this one dude, Sherebiah responded to the call and said, okay, I will lead a delegation of Levites. So he got a couple of guys to come with him, okay. and then they did end up coming back. Okay, so so that's what it is. is so that, so he started yeah. without Levites, and then Ezra was like, he's like, man, I need, I need those he's guys. like, I really need these guys. Like, need these guys. We literally need them. These Levites are what's up. We need them. And, and then, they, then Sherebiah or whatever is like the hero. He's like, I am a Levite. I come. <laughs> yeah, so they fasted. It looks like they fasted, and then the dude, Sherebiah, answered the call so the lord was nice. like okay fine here that's so cool they came mm-hmm. in they came in like champions way to go share okay nice so mm-hmm. then they arrive and uh they present all the offerings and that's kind of the end of that little narrative yeah. and then we move into the darkest part of the whole book chapters oh nine and ten it's crazy. This is dun, isn't dun, this where dun. they j- literally just um, repent, basically. Well, that's Whoa, ten. Ten. Oh, nine right. is where they sin. <laughs> you have to talk about the sin. Part yeah, you can't repent without knowing what they did. <laughs> what did they do? No, that's, yeah. What did these horrible people do? <laughs> ten. What did they do? So <laughs> these are you know you know sin cycle when you get to a place where you feel like you're in a really good spot with the Lord. And then you give in to your fleshly desires. They decided that the ladies that were not with the clan, like these, uh, these really nice looking ladies, ladies. <laughs> that were not the right kind of ladies, married pe- the wrong people, basically, right? Because the hey, title was, <laughs> but but you're right, but you might be right. 
But yeah, I'm just reading uh, the heading. It says intermarriage. Oh, I guess they spoiled it in the heading. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the problem is exposed. <laughs> is what? The problem is exposed. Yes. So it basically, the heading yours too. Yeah, basically what happens... Yeah, that is my heading. So basically, yeah, they just like... All these people, they're just like, you know what? We're just going to marry all these people who do all these terrible things and start families with them. And God told them not to do that. And so it's it's causing many issues and much sadness. And Ezra specifically is very, very, like, depressed about this. And, like, he ends up going on, like, this really intense prayer from chapter... Um, 9 verse 6 all the way to like the end of the chapter in 15 and he's just like really broken like he's just he's so he's such a powerful intercessor honestly like in the way he's like praying for these people because like he feels like God's pain like for like the way that these people basically like they chose to marry these foreign wives over um, over obeying God's commands in their lives and so Ezra's just like feeling the pain that God must be feeling that like these people, you know, he's given them grace. He's welcomed them back to their homeland. He's like, he's been so good to them, even though they've been rebellious. And then they're just like, we're going to be they're rebellious just like, They're just like, I don't care. We're going to do whatever we want. Yeah, we're going to do it it's again. Like, it's a pretty woman. <laughs> I mean, I can see why he can be, he felt like deep, you know, regret and, and, you know, depression because like he did so much for them and yet he yeah. just slapped them in the face. Right. Kind of thing. Exactly. I think another thing too is like, um, like, I think, I think something interesting about this chapter that should be stated is that like, I think that like back in olden day Christianity, like, I think people would look at this chapter and they would be like, oh, like mixed marriage is bad. And I don't think that's what this is saying at all. Like, cause like, cause nowadays you'll have like, you know, Christians who are like black or white or Asian, like they'll marry each other, and there's no problem with that. Like that's not what this is saying. Uh, maybe not, it was more like the cultural. Yeah, context. it's not like, saying like that interracial marriage is bad. In in their culture, I'm pretty sure it was where they, yeah. they had to marry within the Israelites. Yeah, it, because at that time they, uh, that was God's chosen people. But now that God's kingdom is open to anybody, like that's not. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter not anymore. Bad anymore. Because like I think some people would take this out of context and they'd be like, oh, God's like. A racist, but like I, I, think, I think that all changed yeah. once Jesus came. But, exactly, um, and that's like so important to remember, and that's why I think that's something we should mention with this chapter. But like, just so but easy. yeah, in this specific yeah. time though, all these other people groups were so like sinful in their lifestyles. Like, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites—they were basically just against God, so to speak. Yeah, they were all against God, and like, and even yeah. still today, like, it, it is still against God to marry someone who is like living a life that isn't for him Mm -hmm. but like um but yeah but that's not based on race anymore so yeah dan what do you have to say interesting it's just i don't know i feel like it's something that a lot of people struggle with today yeah where it's like you got like you got the desires of the flesh and it's really hard to to stray from them and then when you feel like the lord is with you like nothing can hurt me and then you get tripped up and like fall into a lot of sin and temptation and it's especially one of the things where it's like everybody's doing it because like there was like such a kind of thing yeah there was such a large group of people who decided to go off and choose to do this right and then all of a sudden you're like it's it's totally fine it's just part of life right and then someone convicts you and you're like oh you're right yeah it's not okay yeah but then by that point like you're really deep into it and really far and it's it's really really hard to get out like that's hard to fix i'm going through that now with uh, this program i'm in yeah um, 
super important. Um, I will say because of me dragging myself into it, then your brain kind of works against you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I'm I'm walking with the Lord, but but then like my brain is still when I'm feeling a certain way, it's just like automatically wants me to go back to that one thing. Yeah. Exactly. Like even like and it's gonna take probably months of me. It's a lot of like it, it's mentally exhausting mm-hmm. going through the process of renewing your mind, but you know, yeah, it needs, to be, it needs to be done for me to fully heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I told Will. Yeah, <laughs> you just say Will it out Will. loud. I take these thoughts captive in Jesus' name. It's the powerful name of Jesus, and then it's like taking authority. Yeah, because the Bible gives you authority. It sounds so simple, but it really is. It's not simple at all. Yeah, yeah. the words are simple, but the power is effective. Yeah, I agree, definitely. But it needs to be done in order to see that change. Because if you're just gonna like walk the walk but not you know talk the talk kind of thing yeah you gotta do both you know you gotta you know let those those words work through your heart Mm -hmm. let the power of the spirit yeah change you from the inside yeah that's what it's all about and then you'll start seeing change over time yep sorry so yeah so chapter 9 Ezra is just really sad he's crying about all the sins (laughs) and then chapter 10 he's like okay we gotta we gotta tell these people to Confess their sins <laughs> and stop living this way. And exactly and it's interesting because, like, some other guy comes up to Ezra um, and he basically tells him, like, hey, like, these people need to divorce these, like, um, these wives. And Ezra at this point is like, okay, like, this is what we have to do. But you see, he's, like, still crying afterwards because, like, it's come to a point where, like, <clears throat> the sin has gotten so bad where divorce has to be the solution and like divorce should never be the solution. Like God, like never wants divorce to happen. But sometimes like when like something has gotten so sinful, like that's the only way to get rid of it. Basically. Yeah. It's like a necessary evil almost like to fix things. And it's like really, really, really sad that it came to that. But like, it was like the stuff yeah, that yeah, it needed to happen. Like it kind of goes with, yeah. um, I mean, I don't know if this is a proper comparison, but you know how Jesus says, like, if one part of your body causes you sin, cut it cut off. Cut it off. Because yeah. you're better to have that removed than to fall into the basically the pit of death. Right. Yeah. Which, in, in a way, like, you it's could say that, that like, you cutting off that marriage. Yeah. Because rather, you know, get rid of that than fall down into the sin pit of death. Mm-hmm. That's, like, yeah, super real. Like, and you see here that, like, like, um... I forgot my point, Dan. You can talk. But <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like super interesting that Ezra was really serious about this. Like he kept throwing himself down on the ground, Yamachi. He was just very, very serious about the sin that the people had committed. Mm-hmm. And even the people came around him and saw like his his deep sincerity for this. Yeah. And they came and wept bitterly alongside him, which I wish they had done in Job, where I was like, I just want to be with you. I mean, they so they, so they, yeah, yeah, and then they yeah. stopped. <laughs> so they must have been convicted to some level if they were just crying about it. They must have yeah. been, been like, "Wow, I guess we're really you know messing up. This is not a serious thing." Yeah. Like, let's cry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because I feel like yeah. it was like a it was a small thing for them, and they saw his his deep grieving heart over it, and they're like, "Oh, this is legit. Pretty serious." Yeah. We know this dude. We love him. They have like they have the relationship with him. And because they saw the impact that their actions had on their brother in Christ, mm-hmm. yeah. they're like, okay, we need to fix this. We need to turn around and just transform the way that our hearts have hardened against the Lord in this area of life. Yeah. Yeah. And then so at the end, it ends up like they're at this rainy ceremony, basically, where 
you know, Ezra and them are telling them, like, hey, like, you guys all need to divorce your wives. But then the people are like, yeah, yeah, we know we need to do it. But it's raining. We don't want to do it in the rain. Like, just give us, like, a, a couple yeah, months. Like, give us a couple months. Yeah. And two guys were like, no, do it now. Yeah, two of the guys were like, hey, no, divorce them right now. But then everybody else was like, nah, like, no, nah, we need time. Because, like, because the thing is, like, when you're married to a wife and you have kids together, like, there's kind of, like, there's, a, there's a, like, a, a mature process of leaving that behind that can be taken as opposed to just like, hey, I'm never going to talk to you again because, like, I'm a sinner. <laughs> like, so I think that, like, these people are basically just saying, like, hey, like, we need time. And, like, and that's, like, a real thing. Like, when people do face divorces in real life or they face, like, even just, like, parting yeah. with a sin issue that they're struggling with, like... Um, it does take time. It takes the whole time. court process yeah. takes months. To, like, overcome that and to find healing. And so, like, that's definitely, like, a lot more... There's a lot more to that. Than, um, than just like cutting it off in an instant. As you know, as much as like you want to cut your sin off in an instant, it's a healing process. Yeah. And so they kind of like walk through the process with each of the individual people who struggled with that sin, and then like they're able to, um, yeah, just like to help them all heal through it. And it takes like three months, but then they they get her done. Yeah, it's super huge because the whole thing here is that there were all of these Jewish wives who were just great people and they were awesome, but they were literally abandoned in favor of the heathen woman. Yeah. So, like, that was my wife, and now I've chosen this other woman, and then she's just off on the sidelines, just, like, Mm -hmm. off doing something else. So it's like, what's the worst of two evils? Like, to divorce the new person who is not your your rightful wife, Mm -hmm. and then to be able to go reconcile your relationship with the one who you cast aside. Yeah. And bring the family back together. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if I were in her case, I'd be like, why would I want to get back with you? You left. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I don't, I don't know how I would feel if I was cast aside, oh, yeah. and then, and then, I, and then next thing you know, he comes back and is like, "Hey, let's get back together." I'd be like, "What? I don't care about you anymore," kind of thing. I, yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about that, but <laughs> yeah, who knows? That like, just right? sounds a little messed up to me. Yeah, it sounds like it was a messy culture at the time. It's tough, but, but it was, he was pretty radical coming through, basically saying like, "Hey, right. we got to cut all this off," like, because like. Some of those marriages could have been actually pretty happy. Yeah. But then think about it. Then he's like, oh, you can't have that. Uh-huh. And so in, in a way, it was kind of radical, but yeah. at the same time, it needed to happen. Yeah, it was radical, but it also needed to happen. It's interesting because, like, yeah, sometimes God, like, does lead us to radical decisions for him. So mm-hmm. it is crazy. It is a crazy thing to think about. Like, I would hate to be in the situation of any of these yeah. men. And, like, <laughs> exactly. And, like, kind of just, like, to wrap it up, like, so Ezra kind of just ends with, like, the weirdest ending to any book of the Bible where it's just like, uh, just like basically 20 verses of just like, I call it the hall of shame, you know, like in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the book of Hebrews, there's like the hall of faith that tells like all the heroes of faith. This is like the hall of shame. Like, don't be like any of these basically guys. Just mentioning who they are. Yeah. Basically it's like, yeah. these are all the people who sinned. like, don't be them. And, like, most of these people, you've never heard of their names before, and nobody ever names their kids after these guys, because it's, like, you know, yeah, they're all them all not good people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, I man, I feel bad for them. Like, the only way they got in the book of life is in the hall of shame. Poor guys. Most of them did repent, I guess. Yeah, I guess they had to make an example out of them. But that's kind of the end of the book, is it just lists all these people who 
married Megan Wipes. And then that's the end of Ezra. <laughs> Something interesting ending. What an ending. The, like, like the Bible Project said, it's like an anti-climax. Like, it's not really like this big, like, extravagant thing. But that's why you read the other 65 books. I think it goes... I think Nehemiah comes right after that, I think. Yeah, So right. then it would just go into whatever Nehemiah was doing. Exactly, yeah. And, like, like, like we were saying earlier, like, Ezra and Nehemiah used to be just one book. Before yeah, they so they're all pretty much so. one thing now. So, so I'm sure there's probably more in Nehemiah, but we'll get to that in the future whenever we read But, yeah, Nehemiah. Ezra kind of ends at a weird... I, it ends at a weird point. But maybe, maybe in the future, when we do Nehemiah, we'll Ezra come back. Too. Maybe we'll come back to <laughs> Illinois and do Nehemiah with that Mike in the future. That'd be dope. That'd be pretty great. Maybe we'll do it again. I gotta get a second cat in the name of Nehemiah. Dude, yes. When you get the second cat, that's when we'll come back and we'll do a Nehemiah podcast. Yes, that'd be amazing. That'd be sick. Yeah, so Ezra and Nehemiah, because like they should be together. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, because... Like, because then you don't have to end on such a sour note. Like, all these, <laughs> these dirty minutes. <laughs> but, Ezra's just chilling over there. What a way to end. Yeah, Ezra's just chilling under the box uh, in the corner. Oh, Is he asleep? I think so, yeah. Uh-oh. Good old Ezra the cat. Okay, so, anyways, um, you guys have any, like, big takeaways with the end of the book? Favorite chapters, favorite verses, anything? I pretty much said everything that I wrote down. Yeah. Um, I never would have gotten to a lot of these takeaways, but there's there's actually quite a bit here. Yeah, there's so much more you find, especially like just talking. Like I love yeah. just like spitballing with you guys because I like I think of things I didn't think of at first. It's so cool. I feel like there's some foreshadowing a little bit that you could take take from this relating it to the New Testament. Yeah. No, I agree. Like Ezra is he's really like an olden day kind of like, you know, you said he was like an olden Paul, and like when they're going back to like restore this broken city, like it's kind of like old and new yeah. missionaries so it's kind of like you can kind of see like parallels to like that's with Jonah too where he went to, he went to that one city Nineveh yeah Nineveh yeah like but he, he went to the wrong yeah. city at first but yeah. then that's when he's that's like, when he I was in the, in the wheel anywhere but yeah. there <laughs> and, then he, and then he's like alright fine I'll go there and then he basically is telling these people to repent yeah and and, and you know it's kind of kind of connects with that yeah, I guess yeah, you can say that it's good. Lots of connections. Lots of beautiful things. Um, for me, I put my best chapter was chapter three. My favorite verses were three verse six and three verses eleven and thirteen. So I agree with three. Three was, was just like that stacked. was a pretty happy chapter. I feel like almost every book of the Bible, chapter three is really good. Like except yeah. Job. And Job, in chapter three of Job, Job just says he wants to curse the day he was born. But in all the other books we read so far, chapter three was really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love chapter 3 too yeah because I tried reading it a couple times throughout the week and I was like 1 and 2 are pretty decent and then 3 I was like oh this is really good because you just get like that praise and like that reminder like yeah. the love of God endures forever you know exactly um, so yeah so I just wrote um, I have four main takeaways I wrote down the first one I wrote is just God's favor is over Ezra and mm. Judah and Jerusalem um, and one thing I really liked in chapter 9 is when Ezra's praying is he just talks about how like the favor of God, they didn't earn it. Um, but God's favor, like, was able to completely influence, like, the world leaders to, like, support them and, like, to, to make a way for them. And, like, God can do that in our lives, too, because he can make a way in our lives with his favor, um, even though we don't earn it or deserve it. 
Then the second theme I had is just like restoration, rebuilding, and repentance. Lots of breeze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, the third theme I had was just like sacrifice before building. Like mm-hmm. chapter 36 where it was just like before they built the foundation. They like they the altar, sacrifices yeah. to God. Yeah. And then the fourth was just like um, that praise is going to look different after the exile. But that's okay. You can continue to praise. You see like, that in chapter 3 too with the, one, yeah. with the guys that were kind of weeping about it exactly mm-hmm. yeah. so like they're, they're obviously they saw both and it's like hmm this isn't yeah. the same and even like you could even see that in the end too like with the guys like you know they're having to like divorce their wives to get back to the place of getting like clear with the lord like you have to like cut off sin you have to cut off a lot like once you're sacrificing got, a lot for the lord yeah really. but like it's worth that yeah, in the you end, know the lord is worth that in the end yeah like, and so yeah it, it's gonna look different praising after and like cutting that stuff off but it's going to be like a whole new era it's like and it's worth it for sure life with him yeah super good dan do you have any final thoughts yeah i like how ezra at the end of the book just like disappears for for a while and comes back in nehemiah and he's got the same passion yeah uh, where he wants to transform people of god by bringing them to the word of god so like his three little his little three-part sermon there where it's like okay i want to bring you to the word of the lord so you can see the word and not just be a seer, but a hearer and a doer of it, and then to let it transform your life. So, I don't know. I like that we learn from the book of Ezra all about trusting in the Lord through all these things, and the Lord is going to come and bring... Like, if the Lord wants something to happen, He's going to make it happen. Like, if you don't have the Levites, if you don't have the thing that is required for whatever you're working with through the Lord in order to happen, then He's going to bring it to you. Ooh, that was a good theme. And also, like, He just... The Lord is with you and all the things that you're doing. And it's fun to remember the past and to, to recollect. And even if it's a big, long journey ahead of you to get yeah. to a place, it's totally worth going so that you can come back to your roots and be able to, mm-hmm. to come back to the Lord. Because sometimes we feel like we're really far away and it might be a really long journey back, but it's totally worth it. And it's usually not as far as we think it is, at least not a 500 to 900 mile walk. So our journey back to the Lord is as simple as just like commuting with Him, reading the Word, praying and like asking forgiveness and repentance at the end yeah i think it's a it's a really cool wrap up to the book at the end where the whole beginning of the book is talking about how they were cast out and brought back and cast out and brought back and it's this four month super long journey yeah and then in the end it's talking about how it's like they wanted a three month process of coming back to the lord which is also a journey but in a different way yeah so instead of being a physical journey it was like a like a mental Mental, and a spiritual journey of breaking off the sin that they had been working with and coming back to a place of the lord so So it's cool that like the end of it kind of parallels the beginning of it yeah right yeah and the first it's like a physical coming back and the end it's like a spiritual coming back Mm -hmm. that's really cool i feel like it's really intentional the lord is like here all these different areas you can stray but then come back to me because otherwise it just feels random yeah it does feel random but i feel like you just made it sound like a lot more cohesive yeah yeah it just came to me it's like oh that's super cool revelation i know that's so good all right cool well that's the main stuff um I also have some Firefly Jar stuff. Um, Dan, do you want to do Firefly Jar now or in episode 50? What do you want to do? We could let it grow. It's like a really big Firefly Jar right now. Oh, we could do it now. All right, we're going to do it now. <laughs> so, like, the Firefly Jar is our segment at the end of the show where we just, like, talk about random things that the audience sent in. How so, many are there? Or? There's, like, a couple. 
Okay. So we have... Okay, so these are just some things from the Job episode that we didn't touch on yet. So... Um, so my friend Manning, do you know Manning? I know Manning. I met him once. You met him too? Oh yeah, you met him. Yeah, your thing, yeah. That's true, Manning, yeah. So when, when we were talking about Job, um, one thing he said was that, and I thought this was really good, we didn't get to share it in the Job episode because we got cut short, but he said that the book of Job sometimes, like sometimes people like think the book of Job is all about like, why do these things happen? But like people in life more, they're just wondering Mm -hmm. where is God in their suffering? And I thought that was just like really cool. Because, like, when you have God with you and you're suffering, like, um, like it doesn't really matter why things are happening because you have, like, more peace just knowing he's with you. And so I thought that was just, like, a really cool thing he said. Um, and he just said, yeah, no one's no one wants an answer. They just want a God who's with them even in the unknowns. So that's super cool. Um, then we had someone say that this, this girl named Monica Rayberg said, Job is a hard subject. It can hit home for many people and may want to be avoided. In general, we can look at it as pure obedience. He obeyed God, made some mistakes. There was a lot of suffering and no one should or would want to endure what he did. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Mike, did you ever read Job in your life? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Not, not a whole lot. Yeah. It, it's a pretty intense book. Lots of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty crazy time. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I know that he pretty much had everything taken away from him. Yep. Um, that's, that's pretty much everything taken away from him just to follow the Lord. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Which I could not imagine that whatsoever, but he was stripped of everything and yet was still faithful. Yeah. It's wild. So crazy. Okay. Yeah. And then the last stuff we have is just... Um, actually, there's one Ezra Firefly Jar was from our friend Kale Edder. Oh, he's cool. He's the one who suggested that we talk about the Apocrypha for for fun someday, which we might do, but not today. (laughs) But he said that in Ezra, there's this settlement named Ahava in like chapter eight. That's a settlement they go to. And he said that somehow this, this Ahava place means that first Baruch in the Apocrypha might be legit. Because apparently it also talks about that in First Baruch. Oh yeah, right here, twenty one. They're, um, they're I've never the read, Ahava Canal. Yeah, I've never <laughs> read First Baruch though, so I honestly have no idea like mm. what how they connect. But Baruch, they might. So one day we might find <laughs> out about First Baruch in the future. Who knows if we ever talk about the Apocrypha for, for fun, <laughs> but not today. All right, and then the last thing is we just have a bunch of Wonder Hour stuff that we didn't get to because we got cut short on that episode, too. Yeah. So on Wonder Hour, um, let's see, someone sent in all these things. They asked, we're not going to answer any of these questions. We're just going to wonder about them. Yeah. But these are all the questions you guys sent in. Okay. How how does Wonder Hour... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just, <laughs> we just can't answer. We're anything. just wondering things. Just we don't need to answer. answer. Okay, so how does the human body work and create homeostasis? I don't know. I wonder. Why do we have emotions? I wonder. <laughs> Watch plants grow every day. I wonder. <laughs> Why are dogs so happy? I wonder. <laughs> Watch birds in the morning. <laughs> Where does the wind come from? I don't know. Why are storms formed? That's a good question. Why is the sky blue? Hmm. Everyone. <laughs> Why does water look one color, but it's actually clear? Whoa. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's Why deep. Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? Wonder, yes. wonder away. <laughs> Why Not is there depression? 
Good wonder. Why doesn't everyone believe in God? Also a good wonder. <laughs> Why do people reject Jesus? I don't know. Why does it hurt when you know people reject Jesus and there's nothing you can say or do to help them? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> they were hurt by people who claim to follow Jesus. Oh my gosh, that's heavy. All those are pretty, pretty deep. Okay, why is it cat's fur so soft and dogs are rougher? Wait, I wonder. Wait, what, what was the question? Why are, is a cat's fur soft but dog's fur is rough? Because roof. <laughs> that's, that's why. It makes sense. And why are fish so neat to watch? They're boring to watch. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, don't, don't say that to our friend Caleb's fish. <laughs> Our friend Caleb's fish Pearl. be offended. She lives in a pineapple under the sea. Pearl, pearl. Um, okay, those are all from Michelle. Shout out to Michelle. Good wonders. Wonder. We also have a wonder from Hannah. I wonder if Fruit Loops are made of real fruit. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. And then we also have from my friend Trace. Uh, I wonder what my God, my God, why have you forsaken me meant to the full extent on the cross. Oh, that's that's a good one, actually. I wonder. I wonder, too, man. Okay. Mm. So those are all the things we wonder. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just want to talk about all that. Because all you guys have been sending stuff in in the last few episodes. We haven't had time at the end. So there you go. For all the Job and Ezra and wonder, (laughs) our wonder things. We've covered them. And, uh, yeah, I think later this week we should be hopefully... Hopefully we'll find time to hang out with David Novak and do our seasonal review of Wisconsin. Yes. We're going to review all the four seasons and tell you what's the best one, what's the worst one, and why it's probably winter. <laughs> but, hey, some there might be some hot takes, but we'll see what happens. Um, and, then, uh, and then we also have next week, we're doing Ephesians on the scripture summaries with our friend Caleb Dorothy. So, it's going to be good. Uh, Mike. It's been good having you on the show. Appreciate it. I'm excited to hang out with you the rest of the night. We're going to have a good time drinking Capri Sun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll yes. play some games and eat, eat some, some shells. Stuff shells. Yes. Make some cookies. Oh, bro. It's yeah. Be a good freaking night. But yeah, it's been so good to have you. We'll come back for Nehemiah sometime when you get another cat. <laughs> I got to get an orange one. Oh, yeah. Yes. I want an orange cat. An orange cat. That's like the perfect cat to name Nehemiah. Orange cat. <laughs> yes, Orange Cat Nehemiah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, uh, Dan, do you have anything to shout out to the people? Hey, I like cats. Yeah. Orange cats are cool. Yeah. So are great cats. So is my yeah. cat. And Ezra. so is Ezra. How would you Ezra. describe Ezra's color? It's like he was listed as a brown tabby on the sheet that I gave him, but he's like gray and black. He's yeah. Like and he's got, but he has he's like white, he has white on. fur. If you like, when he lays on his belly. Up underneath, like, by his, like, back leg is white. Yeah. I don't understand. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so interesting. My shout-out is, hey, there was really big pieces of snow this morning, and that was really aesthetic. Yo. But also, yo, four hours south, it's sunny, and it's kind of nice out. Yeah. Shout-out, Illinois. Illinois is, you know, I hate Illinois. Illinois kind of sucks, but... But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it was a nice drive today. It's sunny today. <laughs> Today it's nice. Yeah, yeah shout out no, to the lower. Illinois is not that bad. Yeah, everybody makes it seem. I mean, bad. I just always judge it by Chicago, and Chicago is really. Bad. I mean, Chicago literally controls the whole state, but it's, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> All the people are there. Hello, Chicago is crazy. But yeah, also if anyone needs anything DJed, just call 
2600. Called in. He'll DJ your wedding. Yeah. I always wanted to say that number on podcast. Dude, dude, so dude, just say it. Just say it. What was it again? <laughs> 262. 261. 2761. And his wedding's coming pretty soon. 56? 56 days. Yeah. It's 56 days. Dan will be a married man. But until then, keep, keep the, the fire, fire burning. burning.